نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. I'd like to begin this evening in this our 12th lecture in our series from Umdat al-Ahkam or the Sharh of Umdat al-Ahkam, Taysir al-Allam, Sharh Umdat al-Ahkam by Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman, Ali Basham, Hafidhullah. May Allah protect and preserve him. And the chapter that we are going to discuss this evening uh, is the chapter Kitab Al-Khawf or Salat Al-Khawf the book concerning the fear prayer or the prayer when one is in fear of the enemy on the battlefield uh, and actually we have only two chapters remaining this chapter Bab Salat Al-Khawf and Salat Al-Janazah for that reason inshallah we have decided to continue uh, and finish up these last two chapters before doing review and our usual examination. This chapter begins first with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verses 101 and 102 وَإِذَا and when you, that is the Muslims, travel in the land, there is no sin on you. If you shorten your prayers, if you fear that the disbelievers may put you to trial, if you fear that they may attack you, verily the disbelievers are ever unto you an open enemy. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِيهِمْ يعني speaking to the Prophet وسلم, that if you are amongst the believers, فَأَقَمْتَ لَهُمُ salat, And you led them in the prayer, this is in the time of fear, facing the enemies. If you are amongst them and you led them in the prayer, فَلْتَكُمْ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ مَعَكْ Then one group of the Muslims or one party of the Muslims should stand with you, with the Prophet Wasallam, And they should take with them their weapons or their arms. فَإِذَا سَجَدُوا فَلْيَكُونُوا مِنْ وَرَائِكُمْ Then if they make their prostrations, and if they perform a rock with the Prophet and finish the prostrations, then they should go to the back, to the rear, and take up the guard. Then another group, the other group who were guarding in the first rakah, they should come forth. Then the other group should come forward, those who didn't pray, and they should pray with you, meaning one rakah, and they should also be cautious take care from the enemy attacking surprisingly and they should keep their weapons with them. This ayah is the basis 
of the legislation of Salat al-Khawf from the Qur'an and those hadith from the chapter which we will discuss this evening are the basis from the authentic sunnah for Salat al-Khawf the prayer of fear when the Muslims are facing the enemies on the battlefield the Shaykh Abdullah bin Abdurrahman Ali Bassam Hafidhullah begins this chapter Bayab Salat al-Khawf with a brief introduction in which he says that there is no reason or cause for Salat al-Khawf except fear itself yani the cause that, led, that is the reason for the legislation of this prayer is when the Muslims are in a dangerous situation whether they are present or whether they are yani, traveling whether they are resident or whether they are traveling and this prayer Salat al-Khawf is established and confirmed by Al-Quran as well as the Sunnah and the Ijma of the Muslim scholars it has been reported the descriptions of this Salat in various different manners and all of those which were reported in authentic hadith are permissible to be used any one of those descriptions that came in the authentic hadith is allowed to be used uh, since this prayer was legislated as a mercy for the believers when they perform prayer in this kind of difficult situation and also lightening the burden of the prayer in that difficult situation in that case it is expected that the people who are praying, the believers when they perform prayer, that they should choose the manner of performing Salat al-Khawf from the various manners that have been reported authentically, they should choose the one that is more suitable and appropriate to their particular situation. Uh, and that the one that they choose might differ. It might differ. At one time they may choose one and another time they may choose another depending on the direction in which the enemy is coming towards them uh, meaning whether or not the enemy is in the direction of the Qibla or behind them where they would يعني, have their back to them if they face the Qibla depending on the direction that they are in and depending on whether or not the enemy is near or far and depending on whether or not the fear of imminent attack from the enemy is great or little perhaps they may be far away perhaps there may not be expectation that they would attack perhaps they are very near perhaps they are expecting it looks as though they are going to attack depending on the circumstances the particular manner that the believers choose for performing Salat al-Khawf should be based on their particular circumstances the first hadith from Umdat al-Ahkam concerning Salat al-Khawf is hadith number 149 the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhumah may Allah be pleased with them both قال, he said صلى بنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة الخوف في بعد أيامه التي لقي فيها العدو that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم led us in the prayer of صلاة الخوف in some of those days or during those days in which he met the enemy فقامت طائفة معه وطائفة so one group or one rank of the Muslims, one group of them stood up with the Prophet ﷺ while the other group were facing the enemy. One group prayed with him while the other facing the enemy. So he prayed one raka with those who were with him while the others were standing guard facing the enemy. Then those who prayed with him went away. وَجَاءَ الْآخَرُونَ Then those who were on guard came forward. 
Then he prayed with them one rakah. And one rakah with the first group, one rakah with the second group. Then both groups in turn performed the rakah that was remaining. Each of them taking a turn. One of them performing one rakah, one group that was missing. They performed one with the Prophet and one alone. And likewise the other group performed the one rakah remaining. Here the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ prayed Salatul Khawf or led the people in prayer, his companions, during a time when there was war with the Mushrikeen. Uh, and the Muslims met the enemies on the battlefield. So there was fear that if they performed the prayer, while they were busy with the prayer, the disbelievers might attack them. For this reason, the Prophet ﷺ divided them into two parties or two groups. One group stood with him in the salat, while the other group faced the enemy, guarding those who were praying, in case the enemies tried to attack while they were performing the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ performed one rakah with that group who was standing with him. Then they went to the rear while they were still in salat. And if they didn't make taslim, they in salat. They performed one rakah, then they went to the rear and they took the position of guard while the group that was on guard, they came forth. Those who had not prayed yet came forth and they also were led in one rakah of prayer by the Prophet ﷺ. Then he made taslim. The Prophet ﷺ then made taslim. Each group had performed one rakah with him, but he had completed his prayer. He performed two rakah, so he made taslim. <coughs> then the group with, which was with him in the end, the second group who prayed with him, stood up and they completed the rakah that was remaining. Then they went to the rear to take the position of God, while the first group who had prayed with him, who was still waiting on God, came forward and performed the remaining rakah that was upon them. This is one manner of Salatul Khawf. Yani, that the Prophet divided the Muslims into two groups, and he performed one rakah with one group, while the other group is facing the enemy, watching them. When they finished one rakah, that group went to take the guard and the other group came forward and performed one rakah with the Prophet ﷺ. When he led the second group in one rakah, he made taslim and finished his prayer. Then the group who was with him second stood up and prayed the rakah that was remaining. Then they left and went and took guard while the other group came who still had one rakah remaining and performed one rakah of prayer, completing their salat. From this hadith, the Shaykh says, number one, we understand that it is legislated. Salat al-Khawf is legislated in the Sharia when the cause or the reason for it is present. Whether the people are resident or traveling. And this is a mercy, uh, an enlightening that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has reduced the difficulty on the Muslims, on the Ummah and made uh, and given them help at the time when they are in jihad fighting the enemies. This is a help and an ease and a facility. So that the people, so that the Muslims might perform the salat in jama'ah and at the specified time. Yani this manner of prayer was designed to facilitate the Muslims performing their prayer still in jama'ah. So that they still get the performance of prayer in jama'ah and that they can perform it on time. And this is a great example for us and a proof of the importance of the prayer in jama'ah and the prayer on time. That even on the battlefield, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a reduction in the prayer so that the people can 
perform the prayer in Jama'ah and in its proper time? What about when we are in peace times and we are just at home and we don't go to the prayer in Jama'ah or we don't perform the prayers in time? The second point he says, <coughs> the performance of the prayer in this manner that has been mentioned in this hadith with some extra details which the shaykh has mentioned in the general meaning of the hadith, some extra details uh, which came from other narrations of this very same hadith. Yani there are other reports of it and some of the details that he mentioned in this, this general description of the hadith it came from some of the other reports. But in any case, this manner of performing the prayer is one of the ways that Salat al-Khawf may be performed. The third thing is that a lot of movement, if it is for some benefit in the Salat or if it is out of necessity or emergency, it does not invalidate the prayer. Yani, the first group who prayed with the Prophet they were still in prayer when they went and took the guard. Then they came back to perform the second prayer. All of that moving, walking, changing positions, it didn't invalidate the prayer because that movement was for some benefit and it was of necessity due to the situation or circumstances that they were in facing the enemy. So even a lot of movement, it doesn't invalidate the prayer if there's a cause or reason for it, if there's a need for it. Unlike what some people say, if you move three movements in the prayer or four or five movements or whatever number they uh, specified, they said the prayer became invalid. This is not so. And this hadith is a proof of that. It's one of the proofs of that. And we discussed this previously in the hadith of Umama, the granddaughter of the Prophet ﷺ, how he used to carry her and put her down and pick her up. And all of this movement did not invalidate the salat. Number four, the fourth point, is the great uh, concern that is shown in this type of prayer the great concern that is shown for performing the prayer in its time and in jama'ah such that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated and allowed that the prayer be performed in this particular manner in order to preserve and protect the performance of the prayer in jama'ah and performing it on time. And this shows the great concern the great concern that the Prophet had for the prayer. This is, this is an example an exhibition or a display of his great concern for the Salat. Uh, and number five, the last point he says, is that the Muslims should take care and be cautious and take every precaution from the enemies of the deen that might want to cause ruin or danger or bring a calamity or disaster upon the Muslims uh, and take advantage of the opportunity to attack them while they were praying. The Muslims should take care from the enemies, not only in the prayer, on the battlefield, but in every occasion. This shows the care that should be taken by the Muslims when they face those who are the enemies of Islam. The next hadith, hadith number 150, it is the hadith of Yazid ibn Ruman, reported from Salih ibn Khawat ibn Jubair, who reported it عن من صلى مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة ذات الرقاع صلاة الخوف and this hadith was reported from Salih ibn Khawat ibn Jubair from one of those who attended the prayer with the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم on the occasion of that ذات الرقاع that was an incident that took place when the Muslims uh, went out for battle and they were in a place between Medina and Qasim 
And that occasion was called that al-riqa' because the Muslims had wrapped their feet up with rags or cloth in order to protect their feet due to the difficulty of the journey and so on. On that occasion, one of those who were with the Prophet ﷺ reported this description of Salat al-Khawf from the Prophet ﷺ أن طائفة صفت معه وطائفة وجاء العدو that one group made a rank or a row with the Prophet ﷺ and the other group was facing the enemy. One group was lined up with the Prophet ﷺ behind him and the other group facing the enemy. فَصَلَّى بِالَّذِينَ مَعْهُ رَكَعَةً So he prayed one raka with those who were with him. ثُمَّ ثَبَتَ قَائِمًا فَأَتَمُّوا لِأَنفُسِهِمْ here, this description is different than the previous one. On this occasion, the Prophet ﷺ prayed one rak'ah with those who were with him, then he remained standing. He remained in the standing position, while those who had prayed that rak'ah with him completed, each of them individually completed, completed the second rak'ah of the prayer, while the Prophet remained standing, giving them a chance to complete their second rak'ah. Then they left out of the prayer after completing their second rak'ah, while the Prophet ﷺ remained standing, they left from the prayer and they went to uh, make, make lines, a line facing the enemy. وَجَاءَتْ طَائِفَةُ الْأُخْرَى فَصَلَّ بِهِمْ Then the other group who was first on guard came and the Prophet ﷺ led them in one raka'ah of prayer, the raka'ah that was remaining from his two raka'ah. ثُمَّ ثَبَتَ جَالِسًا وَأَتَمُّوا لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ بِهِمْ At that point, the Prophet ﷺ led them in a rakah of prayer. It was their first rakah and his second. When he performed his second rakah, he remained sitting. He didn't make taslim, but he remained in the sitting position, while those who joined him for the second rakah stood up and completed the rakah that was remaining for them. The first group already finished their prayer. They prayed their second rakah while the Prophet remained standing, this group came, the Prophet led them in one rakah, which was his second, and he remained sitting until they, each one individually, completed his second rakah. Then the Prophet ﷺ made taslim, completing the prayer. This is the second description of many descriptions of Salat al-Khawf that are reported in authentic hadith. This is the second description. Here he says that the man who prayed with the Prophet ﷺ, whose name wasn't mentioned by the reporter of this hadith, he said that that man was Sahal. Ibn Abi Hasma radiallahu anhu. Uh, here the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith. In this hadith, the enemy was in a direction other than the direction of the Qibla. Yani, if the Muslims faced the Qibla, the enemy was not in front of them where they could see them. They was in another direction. Because the people who they went out to, those people were in a place that was uh, east. I think east, Nam, east of, of uh, Medina. And Medina is north of Mecca. So if they face the Qibla, they will be facing south. And those people were to the east. So if the Muslims face the Qibla, they would not be facing the enemy. For that reason, the Prophet ﷺ performed this prayer differently than on the other occasion. Uh, <coughs> for this reason, the Prophet ﷺ had one group line up while the other group stood facing the enemy. Uh, 
so that the believers would behind would be behind the rank who was guarding them. The rank who was guarding them facing the enemy, the believers were behind them, protected by them while they were performing the prayer. Then he says, the Prophet then performed one rakah with those who were with him. Then he stood up with them for the second rakah, but he remained standing. While they who were with him in the first rakah completed, each of them completed the second rakah, they made taslim, they got out of the prayer, and then they lined up in a rank to face the enemy, while the second group came to join the Prophet ﷺ, and he was remaining in the standing position, waiting for them. When they came to him, he led them in one rakah of prayer that was remaining upon him. Then he remained sitting to give them a chance to stand up and to complete for themselves their second rakah, then he made, that is the Prophet ﷺ made taslim, completing the prayer for all of them. Those who were with him in the second rakah. Uh, here the Shaykh says that there is difference of opinion amongst the scholars concerning Salatul Khawf, the fear prayer, because this, the description of this prayer from the Prophet ﷺ has been narrated in a number of different ways. The Imam Ibn Hazm, rahimahullah, uh, said, that there are 14 different manners in which Salat al-Khawf has been reported authentically. He said that there are 14 different manners. And he authored a book in which he narrated all of those different manners, the hadith concerning them, in an essay showing the different various ways of performing Salat al-Khawf. Al-Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, says that the number or the types of descriptions or manners of performing Salat al-Khawf reach 16, 16 different types. Yani, Imam Nawawi said, not 14, but 16 different ways have been reported from the Prophet ﷺ for performing Salat al-Khawf. Ibn al-Arabi, rahimahullah, says that the number of various or different descriptions or manners of performing Salat al-Khawf are 24. And he reported 24 different manners of performing Salat al-Khawf. As for Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, the student of Shaykh al-Qam in Taymiyyah, he says that actually the manners of performing Salat al-Khawf are six or seven different ways. But those who said that they were 14 or 16 or 24, he said that the reason why they said so is because every time they saw any difference in the way the prayer was narrated by any of the narrators, they made that that difference as another manner of performing Salat al-Khawf when in fact sometimes it was only a difference in the wording of the reporter who described the prayer of the Prophet but he said if you examine them carefully you'll find that actually the real different manners of performing Salat al-Khawf are only six or seven are only actually six or seven uh, then he says that Imam Malik his opinion is that the manner of Salat al-Khawf is that way in which it has been quoted in the hadith of Sahal ibn Abi Hasma, hadith number 150. And Al-Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah chose that which is reported in the hadith of Salih ibn Khawat. As for Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and a group of other scholars, they said sometimes they, they held that the most, the best or the most correct manner of performing Salat al-Khawf is that manner which is in agreement 
with the description that's mentioned in the Quran. The description of Salat al-Khawf that's mentioned in the Quran, they said the hadith whose description of Salat al-Khawf is closer to the description in the Quran, they said that this is the way that it should be done. And another time, they said uh, that the description which was more often reported is the one that should be followed. Yani, that description was, which was reported by more of the companions of the Prophet they said that that is the one that should be followed. As for Imam Ahmed, when he was asked by one of his students at Afram, he said, uh, Al-Afram said, I said to Abu Abdullah, meaning Imam Ahmed, I said to him, do you hold the opinion of accepting all of the hadith, yani the various ways that have been reported in the different hadith, accepting all of them as the manner of performing Salat al-Khawf, yani using every one according to the circumstance in which it was reported, yani the different occasions, the Salat al-Khawf was performed on many occasions by the Prophet in many different battles. He said, do you hold to follow all of those hadith, each one being used according to the circumstances that it was reported in, or do you choose one of them over the others? And Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, said, I say that whoever holds the position of following all of those hadith which are authentic and accepting all of those different various descriptions or manners as being correct and permissible, he said this is a very good position. However, the hadith of Sahal, he said, I prefer this one over the others. The hadith of Sahal ibn Abi, Hasma, that we mention here, hadith number 150. Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Ali al-San'ani, the great scholar from Yemen, rahimahullah, who made the explanation of Bulugh al-Muram by Al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, his explanation is entitled Subh al-Salam. Al-Imam al-San'ani says that the saying of Al-Imam Ahmed is a good saying, especially when we consider it in light of the correct reports or narrations, the ones that have been reported authentically from the Prophet are numerous, are various. There are many authentic reports. So he said this is a good saying in light of the fact that various manners of performing Salat al-Khawf have been reported from the Prophet So accepting all of them and applying each one to its circumstance is a very good opinion. Also, Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, says, he considers as authentic six or seven manners of performing Salat al-Khawf and he narrates each of them according to the circumstances that one is in facing the enemy. Yani according to the different circumstances that you may be facing the enemy, he said he reported each of them and described how this one should be used in certain case and this one should be used in another case and so on. And it is as though it is understood from his words that he has chosen his position is to follow all of those authentic hadith, the descriptions that came in all of them using or applying each one according to the difference in the circumstance or the condition of facing the enemy. Also amongst the scholars, Suhaili says in his book of Sirah of the Prophet ﷺ that the scholars have differed in, in their preference of which report or which manner of performing Salat al-Khawf. A group of them said that the one which should be followed is the one which is closest to the description in the Qur'an. Another group, a second group said that you should make ijtihad and try to determine which description of Salat al-Khawf was the last one which the Prophet did 
and you should use that one because that one abrogates the ones which were before. A third group said that you should take the narration which is the most authentic, yani the isnad which is the strongest and most authentic, you should follow that description. And a fourth group said that you should collect and combine them all and apply each one according to the different circumstances that the Muslims may be in when they face the enemy. Imam Ahmed and Ibn Qayyim and Suhaili, this last opinion, seems to lean towards the application, the acceptance and the application of all of the authentic hadith and the descriptions that came in them. And this is a way to make ease for the Muslims in their prayer so that they may use that manner which is easier according to the circumstance that they are in and Allah knows best. This is concerning the differences of opinion amongst the scholars, those who held various different opinions and perhaps the best opinion is that all of those manners which have been reported authentically may be used, all of them are permissible and it is to be used according to the circumstance that is closer to that manner of performing Salat al-Khawf. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions four points. The first of them is as was mentioned in the previous hadith. In this hadith we come to know that Salat al-Khawf has been legislated in the Sharia. And it is also a confirmation of the Salat in Jama'ah. And it is also, also contained in this hadith is a warning or to take precautions from the enemies of the deen. Number two, he said, from this hadith we have another description or manner of how Salat al-Khawf can be performed. And it is appropriate according to the circumstance since the enemy in this particular occasion was not in the direction of the Qibla. And the enemy was in a direction other than the Qibla. Uh, so for this reason, the manner that he used was different. Also in this hadith, we understand that Salat al-Khawf is different than Salat al-Amni. Yani the Salat in time of danger is different from the Salat in time of peace and safety and security. In the Salat al-Khawf, the last rakah is made longer than the first rakah. Whereas in the normal prayer, the Prophet ﷺ used to make the first rakah longer and the second rakah shorter. But in Salat al-Khawf, he made the first rakah shorter and the last rakah longer. Also, uh, in the Salat al-Khawf, it is allowed that those who are following the Imam, that they might complete some portion, they should be allowed to complete the portion of the prayer which they missed. Those who came, for example, from the second group, the Imam may allow them, he may wait to give them a chance to, to make up the rakah that they missed before he makes taslim. Whereas in the normal prayer, Salat al-Amni, the Imam, if somebody came late to the prayer, he doesn't sit waiting for them to complete the rakah or two that they missed. But he makes taslim and then they stand up and complete whatever they missed. But in Salat al-Khawf, it's allowed for the Imam to wait for those who joined him afterwards to complete the rakah which they missed before he makes taslim. These are some of the differences between Salat al-Khawf and Salat al-Amni, the prayer of fear and the prayer and safety or security. And also he says in this hadith we understand that the ma'amum, the one who is following the Imam, might leave the prayer. He might leave the prayer and separate from his Imam if there is a need or an excuse for doing so. Like some of them, they prayed with the Prophet first and then they finished their 
second rak'ah and left, made taslim and left and got on guard. So in the Salat al-Khawf, it is permissible to leave the Imam, to go out of the prayer, if there is a reason, يعني, legitimate reason or excuse to do so. And also he said that sometimes the leaving of the ma'amum, uh, leaving the prayer uh, ahead of the Imam has also been reported in a lesser circumstance other than on the battlefield and it has been reported in the hadith of Mu'az radiallahu anhu when he was leading the people in prayer and making a very very long recitation that one of the people who was in the congregation became impatient and hastened to complete his prayer alone and left got out of the prayer, left the prayer and complained to the Prophet and the Prophet didn't condemn him and he didn't tell him you have to repeat your prayer so this is a proof that on some occasion it might be permissible or possible to leave the prayer although under normal circumstances no one should leave the prayer until the Imam completes it. The next hadith and the last hadith in this chapter is hadith number 151 the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari radiallahu anhuma may Allah be pleased with Jabir and his father Abdullah. He said shahidtu ma'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salat al-khawf that I witnessed or was present with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, on the occasion of Salat al-Khawf, the prayer of fear. فَسَفَفْنَا صَفَّيْنَ خَوْفَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَالْعَدُوُّ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ الْقِبْلَةِ He said that we divided ourselves into two lines, two ranks or two rows behind the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and the enemy was between us and the Qibla. Yani we were facing the Qibla and they were in front of us between us and the direction of prayer, the direction of Mecca. They were in front of us this time. فَكَبَّرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَكَبَرْنَا جَمِيعًا The Prophet ﷺ made takbir, he said Allahu Akbar to begin the prayer and we all, all of us, both ranks, also made takbir. ثُمَّ رَكَعَ وَرَكَعْنَا جَمِيعًا Then the Prophet made ruku, bowing, and all of us bowed also. The difference between this description and the first two is that here both groups are praying with the Prophet at the same time. But this was on the occasion that the enemy was in front of them, where they could see them. They could see them while they were standing, and they could see them while they were bowing. So there was no harm in them all praying together that portion of the prayer. Then the Prophet went down to make prostration, and the row which was immediately behind him, the first row, not the second row, they also made prostration. وَقَامَ الصَّفْ الْمُؤَخَّرَ فِي نَحْوِ الْعَدُوْ While the second row, the last row, or the rear rank, they stood up facing the enemy. While the, the, the first row bowed or made prostration with the Prophet ﷺ, the second row remained standing and facing the enemy. Because in prostration, maybe they would attack and no one uh, would be ready. فَلَمَّا قَضَى النَّبِيُّ السجود وقام الصف الذي يليه إن حضر الصف المؤخر بالسجود. So when the Prophet ﷺ completed his prostrations, he stood up, and the rank or the first row which was with him, they also stood up. At that point, the rear rank or the second row which was standing that didn't make prostration, they made the standing and they made the bowing, but they didn't make prostration. At that point, they also prostrated. وَقَامُوا and then they stood up ثُمَّ تَقَدَّمَ الصَّفْ الْمُؤَخَّرُ وَتَأَخَّرَ الصَّفْ الْمُقَدَّمُ At that point, the rare row which made the prostrations last 
they stood up and they came forward to take the front row while the front row who prayed who made the prostrations first with the Prophet Sallallahu went to the rear and took the back row ثُمَّ رَكَعَ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ Then the Prophet Sallallahu made ruku وَرَكَعَنَا جَمِيًا And all of them, the first and the second row also made ruku with him ثُمَّ رَكَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الرُّكُوْ Then he raised his head up from الرُّكُوْ فَرَفَعَنَا جَمِيًا Then we all raised our heads up from ruku It is as though I skipped a line here in the first raka'ah the mentioning of the Prophet ﷺ when they all made ruku, that he raised his head up from ruku, and they all raised his head up from ruku, then they made prostration the first row with him, while the second row remained standing. So the same thing happened this time. The rear row came to the front, and the front row went to the back. The Prophet ﷺ made ruku, and all of the people, both rows, made ruku with him. Then he raised his head up from ruku, and they all raised their head up from ruku. Then the Prophet ﷺ went to make prostrations and the row which was now immediately behind him which had been previously the rear row that row which was now in the front also made prostrations with the Prophet ﷺ. that row which had been that row which had been in the rear which was now in the front made prostrations along with the Prophet ﷺ while the new uh, group were now in the back, they remained standing. They didn't make prostrations. They made the standing with the Prophet. They made the ruku with the Prophet. They stood back up with the Prophet ﷺ, but they remained standing when he made sajda facing the enemy. فَلَمَّا قَضَى نَبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ السُّجُودِ وَالصَّفَ الَّذِي يَلِيهِ إِنْ حَضْرَ الصَّفَ الْمُؤَخَّرُ بِالسُّجُودِ فَسَجَدُوا then when the Prophet ﷺ finished his prostrations and along with him that row <coughs> which was with him when they finished prostrations the row which was in the rear made their prostrations and when they made their prostrations he said So the Prophet made taslim and all of us the first row and the second row also made taslim The Shaykh says briefly here the general meaning of this hadith that the detail, description, or the manner of Salatul Khawf in this hadith uh, is as mentioned, it is in accordance with the occasion or the condition that the Prophet and his companions were in on this occasion. That is, they were facing the enemy who was between them and the Qibla. Therefore, the manner of performing Salatul Khawf here was different than on the previous occasions. They were able, while they were standing and while they were in Ruku, they were able to see the enemy. So they were safe from any sudden attack. Here from this hadith, the Shaykh mentions a number of points which are derived from this hadith. The first of them is that Salatul Khawf may be performed in the particular manner as described in this hadith. When the occasion is appropriate, as it was on this occasion, that is, when the Muslims were facing the enemy between them and the Qibla. Number two, Al-Harrasa. Here, the standing on guard was only in the condition of prostration. Whereas previously, the Muslims were standing on guard. One row was standing on guard uh, while the other row was praying. And then the other row stood on guard while those went to pray. Here, the guard duty was only during the prostrations. Because in other situations, in the prayer and standing and bowing, they could see the enemy clearly. 
Also the saying here in this hadith, وَالْعَدُوْ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ الْقِبْلَةِ yani That the enemy was between us and the Qibla. It is understood from this, that if the enemy was in another direction other than the Qibla, then they would have performed the prayer in a different manner, not in this manner. As happened in the previous two hadith, those two manners of performing the prayer is on the occasion when the enemy is not directly in front of them, between them and the Qibla. Uh, also it has been mentioned that there are a number of manners of performing Salat al-Khawf and of the benefits of these different manners of performing Salat al-Khawf is that the Muslims might take into consideration the condition of the enemy and yani the direction that they are in or the circumstances that they are in and use that manner which is more appropriate for that particular occasion. Number four, he says, in this hadith is a clarification of the excellence of the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ. The excellence of the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ and how he used to arrange the armies, the Muslim armies. And how he used to protect them from any danger. He was concerned about any danger coming upon them or a sudden attack from the enemies. And that he used to take precautions on such occasions. This is also a lesson for us that the leader should take precautions to protect his men as was the example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Also number five he says in this hadith is a clarification of the justice of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that al-adl or justice was a characteristic of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in every circumstance and on every occasion. He displayed justice between his soldiers concerning the guard duty. Some of them standing while others praying, then others praying and others standing. And they took turns in taking guard duty. It was just that some of them pray and while the others take duty and then they had their turn also to pray while the others took duty. He was also just between them in the Salat for every group of the two groups prayed one rakah with him. He allowed this group to pray one rakah with him and that group also to pray one rakah with him. And he was also just between them in their standing in the, lay, in the line or the row which was near to him. And he allowed one group to stand directly behind him and then he made them change positions while the other one got the chance also to stand in the first row directly behind him. And this was the way of the Prophet ﷺ in all of his affairs, justice in everything, even on the battlefield, even in such circumstances. He was always just in dealing with the people. And finally, the Shaykh says in this hadith, we also learn that any movement which is required due to the circumstances or situation, even if it is a lot of movement, it doesn't invalidate or cause any defect in the prayer. And this we also discussed previously in more detail uh, in the hadith of Umama, uh, the granddaughter of the Prophet The final point the Shaykh mentions here, he mentions a statement from Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Ali al-Sanani, which is a very beautiful point, which from time to time it's good for us to remind ourselves of it. Uh, he says here, Al-Imam al-Sanani says, concerning the ikhtilaf of the scholars in Salatul Khawf, the differences of opinion, who preferred this man or that man or the other. He said, this saying, إِذَا صَحَّ الْحَدِيثِ فَهُوَ مَذْهَبِي This saying, that if a hadith is sahih, it is my madhab. If a hadith is sahih, it is my madhab. It has been authentically reported from Imam Shafi'i 
rahimahullah, and as well from Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Malik, and Ahmed, rahimahumullah. May Allah have mercy on all of them. It has been authentically reported from all of them that they said, if the hadith, if there is an authentic hadith, it is my madhab, it is my opinion. And this is very important to keep in mind in general, in differences of opinion, not to become يعني, obstinate or fanatical in following the opinion of a particular imam, but know that every imam really following him is following what he said. Following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and he said that if there is authentic hadith, that's my opinion. So if that hadith didn't come to him and it came to you, then you should follow it. And this is the real way of following the imams. And this, he says, it is known that this is the saying of every true believer. That if there is an authentic hadith from the Prophet then this is their opinion, this is their position, this is their method. How can we do something other than that which has been authentically reported from the Prophet So if anything has been reported from him authentically, uh, and something was said by any of the Imams or ourselves out of ignorance of that particular hadith, and our position or our opinion is in contradiction to that which has now come to us authentically reported from the Prophet ﷺ, then the speech of the Messenger of Allah takes precedence over the speech of everyone else, whoever they may be. The speech of the Messenger of Allah has precedence over everyone, the Imam, the Shaykh, anyone. And this is based on many proofs, and the one that he mentions here is the text of Qur'an, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُهُ وَمَا نَحَاكُمْ أَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ That whatever the messenger gives to you, then you must take it. And whatever he prohibits from you, then you must leave it. In fact, he says that this is actually the meaning of Iman, believing in Ar-Risala and Nubuwa. The real Iman in the messengership or the prophethood is that a person follows him in whatever he has brought to us. And this is the saying of the four Imams and others besides them. Uh, and this is also a proof that they didn't have all of the knowledge of what has been reported from the Messenger of Allah wasallam. And this is a fact about which there is no doubt. If they said, if there is an authentic hadith, then it's my saying, this is a proof that they're saying, I don't know everything. I don't know all the hadith. So there may be a hadith I don't know about. If it comes, that's my Madhab. This is a proof that they didn't know everything. Uh, except that the ignorance of those who blindly follow them prevents them. Their ignorance prevents them from admitting that perhaps their Imam didn't have knowledge of a particular hadith which is in contradiction to their Madhab. Yeah, and if you bring a hadith to them that's authentic and it contradicts the opinion of their Imam, they will never. Or because you didn't understand it, or some other reason they will give to justify following the opinion of the Imam which is incorrect due to the fact that he just didn't know about the Hadith. Had he known about it, he would have followed it. Because the Imams were the people who were closest in following the Sunnah of the Prophet For this reason, Al-Imam Al-Sanani rahimahullah says, for this reason I say that whoever followed his Imam in any particular issue while an authentic text has been confirmed which is in contradiction to what his Imam has said in that particular issue if he follows the saying of the Imam and rejects the authentic hadith of the Prophet then in fact he is not following the Imam 
In fact, he is not following the Imam. Because all of the Imams said that if there is an authentic hadith, then this is my madhab. Therefore, <coughs> anyone who follows an Imam, in any issue where the authentic hadith is brought to their attention, which contradicts the opinion or the position of the Imam, then they must follow the hadith. Otherwise, they are not really following the Imam. Since all of the Imams are in agreement on this point, that uh, there is no following them in that which contradicts the saying of the Prophet This is the end of the chapter concerning Salat al-Khawf. And actually there are a number of hadith that uh, concern Salat al-Khawf and a number of various different manners in which it can be performed. Uh, here, as we said on many occasions, Umdat al-Ahkam is a summarized book, Mukhtasar, which only mentions a few of the hadith concerning each issue. And this is the general idea of Salat al-Khawf, as it is reported in three different manners. And as we said, the scholars said that there are many uh, various different manners in which it may be performed. Some of the uh, reports that came concerning Salat al-Khawf, or some things that were said about it, uh, perhaps we may mention just quickly, in the time remaining, that which is reported in the Sahih al-Bukhari, Uh, the chapter, Al-Imam Bukhari mentions the chapter Bab Salat al-Khawf Rijalan wa Rukbanan Rajilun Qaimun He said that Salat al-Khawf This is the chapter entitled Salat al-Khawf That may be offered while standing or riding Yani Salat al-Khawf, it may be performed Standing, as it is described in these hadith which we mentioned And it may also be performed Writing, and this is based on that which is reported from Nafi, from Ibn Umar, from the saying of Mujahid. He said that Ibn Umar said that the Prophet said, "وَإِن كَانُوا أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ فَلْيُصَلُّوا كِيَامًا وَرُكْبَانًا." يعني if the number of the enemy is greater than the Muslims, then they can offer their prayer standing or riding, even individually. Yani, this is a, a point related to Salat al-Khawf, but if the enemy have overwhelming numbers, and it's not even possible to perform the prayer in these manners that have been described together in Jama'ah, then even it may be performed standing individually or even riding on one's animal. This is reported in the Sahih of al-Bukhari. Uh, <coughs> Also, it is reported concerning this in the Sahih al-Bukhari, the Bab Salat Inda Munahada al-Husun wa liqa al-Adu. Yani the prayer at the time of besieging the enemy fortress, or at the time of meeting the enemy. And here he mentions the saying of Al-Imam al-Awza'i rahimahullah, one of the great scholars who lived in the time of Al-Imam Malik and those Imams of the early time. He said that if there are signs of the victory and it is impossible to offer the Salat, Yani if the Muslims have besieged a fortress of the Kafirs and they are about to overcome them, and if they let up, then th- those people may regain their position. In that case, if it's difficult to perform the Salat in that kind of situation, لم يقدروا على الصلاة صلوا إماءً كل مريء لنفسه. In that case, Imam Al-Awza'i said 
that if, if the people are not able to perform the salat, then everyone should offer his prayer by signs or indications, and even by just bowing the head or not even performing the full prayer, and in the full movements of prayer, bowing and prostrating, but even by signs, the prayer may be performed. Uh, then he said, وَإِن لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا عَلَى الْإِمَاءِ أَخَّرُوا السَّلَاةِ حَتَّى يَنْكَشِفَ الْقِطَالِ قِتَالِ أَوْ يَأْمَنُوا فَيُصَلُّوا رَكَاتَيْنِ said that, but even if they couldn't do that, then they can wait until the fighting yani, dies down, and until they are safe, and then they may perform the prayer as two rakah. Then he said, فَإِن لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا صَلُّوا رَكَعَةً وَسَجْدَتَيْنِ فَإِن لَمْ يَقْدِرُوا فَلَا يُجْزِيهِمْ التَّكْبِيرُ وَيَخْرُونَهَا حَتَّى يَأْمَنُونَ that if they were not able to do that, then they could even pray one rakah with two prostrations. Yani salatu khawf as one rakah. But if they are not able to do that, then just saying takbir is not sufficient, but they should wait until they are safe and then perform the prayer. And this is also the saying of one of the scholars of the tabi'in, Makhul, rahimahullah. And Anas ibn Malik said that he was present at the time of the siege of one of the fortresses of the kuffar at the time of Fajr. Subhanallah. At the time of the siege of one of the fortresses of the Kafirs, at the time of dawn, they were surrounding this place and the fighting was at its peak and they were about to overtake them. The Muslims were not able to offer the Fajr prayer and we did not offer the Salat, the prayer, the Fajr prayer till part of the day had passed and then we offered the prayer with Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and we were granted victory by Allah. Then Anas ibn Malik anhu said, very important statement, he said that it would not make me happy, even if I got the whole world and whatever is in it, instead of that salat, yani the salat that they didn't pray on time, the one that they missed due to fighting. Yani the salat in his time was so important. He said that that salat that we missed due to the intensity of the fighting, we couldn't perform it, it was impossible. And we had to delay it until part of the day had passed away and prayed it late. He said that I wouldn't be happy if I were given the whole world and whatever is in it in place of that salat. I would rather have prayed that salat in its time than to delay it in exchange for the world and whatever is in it. This is the importance of salat on time. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed salatu khawf so that the prayer can be performed on time if it is any way possible. Even by praying it individually, praying it in groups one by one, in whatever way it can be performed according to the authentic narrations of the hadith of the Prophet And this is some of what has been mentioned concerning Salat al-Khawf. And of course the discussion concerning it is lengthy. In some of the books there are many many details. And some mentioned all of the descriptions uh, of the Salat al-Khawf. These are some of them. At least we should know some of them. We should be familiar with it. And perhaps... We might need it one day, bi-ithnillahi ta'ala, if Allah selects us to be of those who fight in jihad in His way.
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك any questions or comments or corrections from the sisters you may send them over now while there is some time remaining inshallah نعم If there was, perhaps they still wouldn't pray. <laughs> yes, this is also a reminder to us. It is, a, it is really a reminder to us of the condition of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, their view of the importance of Salat, performing it in Jama'ah and performing it on time, uh, that they would make every effort to perform the prayer on its time and to perform it in congregation uh, no matter what the course, even while they're on the battlefield and this should be an encouragement to us for ourselves individually and to remind others of the importance our neighbors and our family and our friends and associates the importance of performing the prayer in jama'ah for the men and performing the prayer on time for all of the Muslims, men and women even the women who pray at home who are not required to perform the prayer in jama'ah the prayer on time is an essential part of the salat the prayer on time and this should also be an encouragement to the women even though they are praying at home and they are not joining the jama'ah they should still pray the prayer on its time وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَسَبِّحْهُ وَأَ